Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we literally just finished the longest week of football ever. We had games from noon on Thanksgiving last Thursday before we went on the air, and they ended last this past Wednesday at 6 p.m. in the evening. What a crazy week. Did you and, and, yes, and? But Aren't you going to ask me if I watched Thursday Night Football? Well, they didn't have it. That's I know. Fine. How awesome was that? But did you watch Wednesday afternoon football? That's the real <laughs> question. <laughs> I, I cannot believe that the great NFL somehow got bumped by the lighting of the Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. We're going to get plenty. In how, that how awesome is that? Uh, I knew you were going to have a take yeah. on that. Uh, we're going to have Dave Spadaro join us around 410 to talk a little birds, a little NFL. Uh, we've got... Uh, People from the Crosscutters, Gabe's going to join us at 440, talk about the new Woodbat League being formed for Major League Baseball with upcoming players, potential uh, draftees. Jeff, let's talk a little basketball, though, to start the game. How about that? Go for it. Uh, Sixers season, three weeks away. Everybody's doing interviews. Everybody's happy. No, 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 not everybody. No, no, who's not? Isn't it Danny Green, who they can't get his contract done until next week because they're backlogged? Well, Look, you always appreciate the ridiculousness of the NBA from yes. the wearing of hats to teams that you're not actually on. To uh, you're you're telling you're, wait, wait, hold on. Contracts over the weekend. Billions and bill, they have billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, you literally could trace back the shutdown of the entire country to when the NBA stopped playing games. Yet somehow they can't read contracts in time. They knew they set this deadline. They said, here we go. Everybody knows that even though you can't do it until a certain date, somehow all these deals were done in advance because there's no way you can just do it at exactly midnight. And now that they're done, they can't get the players to the teams because they don't have enough people to read. And for our listeners who may be new, Jeff is a lawyer who handles contracts, so he has no patience for the inability. I mean, come on. Contracts. It's not that hard. The people in the in the league office are assigned to read contracts. One they job. can read contracts. You know what? You can work a little overtime. Well, I mean, they have these guys on a shortened schedule. The NBA is starting this month. It looks and it's- they can't get guys on the court because somehow they don't have people to read the contracts. Then let them tentatively play until then. It's just about that time of year when we start seeing videos of Ben Simmons shooting three-pointers in practice. Jeff, are you excited? <laughs> I guess the good news is I can't be there to, to, to watch it and then come back here and go, no, really, he can shoot. I swear, he can shoot. Uh, it, he did say he's working with Sam Cassell. Uh, they, there was some news that came out in terms of offensive strategy. We're going to see some more pick and roll going on this year. Mm-hmm. Saw some decisions made in terms of contract. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Who's they doing the pick and roll with? Uh, apparently Embiid and Simmons. No, 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 no. The idea should be that they should be doing it with Seth Curry. I didn't say that that was the right thing. I just said that's what they said. <laughs> one of the points of pick and roll is that pick and roll then could lead to a shot. And considering Ben Simmons shooting from anywhere that's not a dunk or a layup, I believe his percentage and field goal percentage is 30%. Yeah. And most of those that he makes are, are from the key. Two and a half feet away. From right. Him. Yeah. 
(laughs) Obviously, we'll see what more comes out. But, you know, a different feeling this year. First time in, what, six years that Brett Brown isn't running things down there. Um, Wait, what's the different feeling? Who's who's got the different feeling? You're going to have a different feeling at that camp. You've got a new new people in charge at the top. You've got new coaches. I'm not saying the players are different, but I don't know that the new coaching staff is necessarily going to accept some of the things that the old regime accepted. Look, I I think it's it's a whole new ball game, um, but I do think that the words don't mean anything. Like as as much as I like to hear and I like to interview guys and hear what they have to say the words don't mean anything at this point how many years in a row have we heard Joel Embiid say that he's going to play anywhere in the block that he's going to be a leader that he's dedicated you hear the same things every year it's you know players and coach speak and they're they're saying all the right things but now the idea is let's see what's going on behind the scenes and let's see how Doc Rivers is able to do this and and let's hope that the the Sixers don't throw their coach under the bus like Paul George just did uh, we'll get there. Uh, speaking of words, though, a lot of talk about Shake Milton from people. Why? I, just, I, that, I don't know. And it surprised me. Like, yes, he had some good games. And look, we've followed Shake since he was with the Bluecoats and we've mm-hmm. talked to him. Um, but I'm not sure why all these people coming in are, are highlighting him and his efforts as opposed to some of the other pieces that are here. Uh, do you make anything of that? Or is that just talking a player up as you come in? Well, he's he's a guy that is going to continue to improve. I think that we should be talking about him, but I don't think he's a focal point of the team considering everything else that's going on. I think that he's I think he's going to benefit by the fact that you have a more well-rounded, balanced team in general. I mean, we had him in there as a starting point guard because you didn't have anybody else, right? So now you have a more balanced backcourt, which gives him the opportunity to open up and do more of what he does. As opposed to he, he's not a ball handler. That's not his strength. He can do it, but he is not a starting point guard. No, not at all. Um, and you know, we talked about him coming from the blue coats. We do know a little bit more about the roster makeup this year. The two way players will be Paul Reed, the draft pick, and Dakota Mathias, who they picked up. Um, so you know, they will have people there uh, to to be in the G League. Jeff, why don't we leave the basketball talk there and uh, and hit a little football that we'll come back to it. What do you think? Sure. Um, yeah. You, you want, what do you want to do? You want to talk about Thursday night football again? Oh, Dave Spadaro is on and ready to talk to us. So I All right, then let's roll. Is talk Dave, bit. you there? Oh, he's, he's ready. They're calling him now. So we'll get him on in a second. <laughs> See, this is what happens. We do this remotely to be safe yeah. with each other and we do it on video and then I misunderstand things. So we'll work on that in a second. We'll keep our basketball talk for a sec. You realize the Raptors aren't going to be able to play in Canada? Oh, I know. I don't know if you saw I, I, To anybody who's released the schedule and says that February 21st and 23rd say that the Sixers are at Toronto, I've been correcting them and pointing it out that it should say at Tampa. Yeah, they're in Tampa. That's right. where they're going to play there. Uh, lots of other moves this week in the NBA. Lakers sort of bringing back their team, sign AD to a five-year deal, resign uh, LeBron. Can, 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 can we make a pact on this show? Sure. We will be the only show to never talk about LeBron versus Michael. Oh, I don't like that talk anyway. So I'm good. Fine. All right. So is that, is that a deal that we will never talk about which one's greater? That's that's totally fine with me. All right. A virtual um, handshake. There we go. I'm good with that. We'll get to another move after. But now we can go talk some football. You want to bring Dave on, Jeff? 
So I believe we have on the line Dave Spadaro, the Eagles insider. Dave, how you doing? Well, boys, it's been a tough year. Here we go. Hello? Hello, hello? We got you. Can you hear me? We're on. We got you, Dave. We can hear you. Can you hear us? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I will say uh, it's been a tough year. Uh, No lies. Didn't expect three, seven, and one. Really? Um, and, uh, and, um, so, you know, just hoping for some kind of a turnaround on Sunday in Green Bay. Always, I always try to be optimistic. I know the game can turn around very quickly, um, but it has been a very, very difficult season, obviously, for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. So, so Dave, we did have you on before the season, and you, you were, unfortunately for Eagles fans, kind of spot on about what the concerns you had were. But the biggest one, that came up today was Carson Wentz apparently stepped up with his teammates. Brandon Graham said, when we talked to the team, he knew he had to own some of the stuff that he's been doing. And he let us know that he's working his butt off to make sure that he starts doing a lot of stuff better. And that's all people want to hear is for you to take ownership of yours and we can move on. That's how you build relationships, taking ownership of what you do. That implies if I, in the way I'm reading it, that he wasn't stepping up and taking ownership before. Is that what was happening? And what happened in that meeting? Where no, he I disagree with, with that. I, I, I don't believe that he wasn't taking ownership before because we've heard it all year. I've got to be better. I've got to be better. I've got to be better. We have heard for several weeks how the players are taking ownership. Uh, we have heard how it's been a uh, reflective time for the players. I mean, I've been around long enough. I, those things don't mean anything to me. Okay, um, it's we're we're 11 games into the season, so the the time was you, you start taking ownership from day one. So I don't right look at it and say, hey, I, I mean, I I think Carson does take ownership. I think he works really hard. I don't think I don't think he, he doesn't want so to be out there struggling and foot and playing football like that. I think these are stories that are that sound so, really good to the media. Uh, but they don't, they don't, words don't mean a whole lot to me, to be honest with you. It's, it's how you perform on game days and on practice days. So, so with that, I mean, look, I've been a Carson guy. Jeff knows I've been a Carson guy. Um, You've seen Carson on the ups, Carson on the downs. You know, there's, there's lots of challenges right now between the offensive line and, and the sink. What are you seeing that, either concerns you the most about him or gives you hope that he can figure this out. Cause like you said, he's trying well, to take responsibility yeah. out there, taking the questions. Yeah, he's, he has and, been, he's been great. Yeah. He's been, he's been great with me. He's been great with the media. He's never missed a day of practice. He's been durable, knock on wood, uh, all of that. Um, so like from that, from the accountability standpoint, I don't, you know, I don't have a question about Carson, but from a on field performance standpoint, I see a quarterback who's indecisive. I see a quarterback who um, is not playing with great confidence. Um, and once that stuff starts to waver, even if it's just a little bit, you know, that really can cost you. And so that's what I see when I look at Carson Wentz play football. I just see the guy, I, I, you know, the, the quick release isn't there. Um, the accuracy hasn't been always there. Uh, he hasn't seen some open receivers at times. Um, I see a quarterback who's just really – struggling and 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 when that happens you just kind of get in your own head a little bit and that's you know that's kind of what i see i just an offense that has averaged eight and a half points a game in the first half of games that's 29th in the league and a team that's had to play from behind for most of the season so you know uh shocker 
that this happened. We 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 did not. I mean, look, they're they're going to start their eleventh starting combination offensive line in twelve games on Sunday. That hasn't helped either. But I, you know, that's that's kind of the way of the league. I, as I said before the season, I, I expected a lot of jailbreaks and a lot of big plays because just without that preseason time and that those OTA times. I thought the offensive lines around the league would be hurting. And when the Eagles lost Brandon Brooks, that created a huge, huge hole. And then they ripple effect of that. And then Andre Dillard goes down and then on and on and on. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that has created and contributed to some of Carson's issues as well. Wide receivers who have been injured, young receivers who've come in without any benefit of the off season. Uh, that is all a factor as well. So, it's just been an out-of-sync Carson Wentz, an out-of-sync offense, and an out-of-sync season for the Philadelphia Eagles. So you mentioned the word out-of-sync. Carson Wentz had, leads the NFL in, in interceptions with 15, four more than any other quarterback in the NFL. But people like to blame the quarterback. When you say out-of-sync, is, is this an issue with Carson trying to thread the needle and get the ball in where it shouldn't be? Or is this more an issue with the receivers not running proper routes or tight routes, or is it just a combination of all? I think it's probably a little bit of a combination, but I, I, I kind of, to me, the quarterback is so. To me, the quarterback makes great receivers, right? It's never the other way around. To me, the quarterback elevates everybody's game around him. You know, that's kind of that's kind of what the great ones do, and and so I, I guess I would, if I if I were to, I would I would assign blame to all, including play calling. I mean, everybody shares in it. Uh, Eagles have not been able to, to to find that sink in any way. And I, it's just I just see a quarterback who's uh, who's just not playing. And I would say above everything else, I just don't see a quarterback who's playing with confidence. Carson, we we call him a gunslinger, a gunslinger, a gunslinger. Um, the the interceptions are completely uh, out of his career repertoire. So it's very unusual that he's thrown so many interceptions. And um, you know, I I just it's a it, he just had a a really, really tough season. And you can go one of two ways from that. You can learn from that and get better and really, really devote yourself to breaking down your game and being honest with yourself and how are your mechanics and how are you studying film and all of that. And that takes longer than a week or two or three or ten. It takes an off season. And so if that, it's, it's going to be an off season of, of Carson Wentz redefining himself, remaking himself into a, into a top-flight quarterback. Obviously, when there's struggles like this, the coach gets lots of questions. There was lots of talk this week of, you know, Doug saying maybe giving up some of the play calling duties was on the table. He stressed that he's still the play caller, obviously reports about Press Taylor. Um, what do you think we're going to see this Sunday from the offense? Last Sunday, they they got away from the run. I believe there was only eight runs total. Carson was the leading rusher. Uh, do you think we'll see a little more balance or is is the challenges on the offensive line leading to the challenges with the play calling and that it limits what they're able to do. I'm just trying to figure out an understanding just like everybody else of, of where this is. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out too. I, I, I wish I could definitively say, I mean, I know that green Bay has struggled against the run a lot. They're not a great defense, but let's be honest, the uh, Cleveland Browns without miles Garrett, not a great defense. The Seattle Seahawks, came to Lincoln Financial Field on Monday night. They were the 32nd-ranked pass defense in the league. So, um, I mean, and, and the Eagles are coming in with a very short week of preparation. So, I mean, I'm not sure you change a whole lot from one game to the next. The key is to – I mean, the Eagles, again, they, they've started slowly 
the entire season. What's crazy about this year is for the first 28 minutes in that game against Washington, the Eagles were up 17-0, and they looked great offensively. They scored three of their first drives, and Carson was bombing it down the field. Jalen Rager had a 55-yard catch. Tight ends were a big part of it. And since then, it's been a struggle from one play to the next. So uh, we are all trying to figure – I'm not going to tell you. I, see, I can sit here and give you the answers. Because if I could give you the answers, I wouldn't be here. I'd be on the coaching staff. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I really don't know what the answer is. I, I think you just kind of keep going, kind of go to what's worked, um, what you feel can work, where you, you feel your best matchups are, and, and you, you, you hope that works. And you hope you can start fast and keep your offense on the field, something the Eagles haven't done. Well, now you have the Packers coming up. What do you mm-hmm. expect from the Packers this weekend? And what, what can the Eagles do to slow down Aaron Rodgers? Well, I think the, the, the way to slow Aaron Rodgers down, the, the, the best the Eagles' strength on this football team is their pass rush. And so, um, you know, if you can create havoc and, and make Aaron Rodgers turn the ball over, great. Um, but the Packers are a different kind of team now. They've got a balanced offense. They've got a good running game. They're, they're a complete offense. So, I mean, I guess, look, the, the formula would be very similar to what they did last year in Lambeau Field on that Thursday night game. Play ball control. Keep – Aaron Rodgers off the field, even though he threw for 422 yards against the Eagles last year, he only threw two touchdown passes. If, if you can get out on him, big plays on special teams, you know, play by far your best game of the season and hope for, a, for an upset victory. Um, and keep playing hard and, and, and do that. But look, this defense hasn't taken the football away. Uh, the offense has given the ball away a ton. So, look, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Eagles team that is still in it in the NFC East. Thank goodness for the NFC East. But nobody's happy at 3-7-1. And, and it'll take a, it'll take by far the best game of the year to beat Green Bay on Sunday. I just wanted to ask you a larger question. This is not excuse-making. Sure. It's just larger about the COVID situation. We've seen last week what happened with the Broncos having no quarterbacks available. We saw what happened this week with the postponements with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, the cascading effects on the schedule. As somebody who's watched this team and watched this league for years, can you just talk about how different things are in the era of COVID and how challenging that is for teams to prepare and execute? Well, I mean, I'm not sure. Look, I think everybody would say that 2020 has been the strangest year of their lives. And um, for us, you know, I'm, until recently, I was at the Novacare Complex, and now we're, you know, the NFL has further tightened its protocol. So, you know, the only time I go over there is for practice, um, and then the rest of the time I operate out of the stadium. Uh, anything to keep the players healthy, and so um, and at a risk. So, yeah, it's been it's been absolutely unprecedented. I think the Eagles have done a very nice job of staying uh, rigorous and and true to the guidelines and to the restrictions and. Um, yeah, it's been. It's it, there. Look, the players are only there for practice now. They they go home for meetings. Everything is done virtually, so that makes it that takes it to another layer. And um, in a lot of ways, you just want to make sure that you have a season. Uh, the Eagles, unfortunately, got off to a bad start. All thought it was going to be turned around at the break, right at the bye week. The Eagles were in first place in the NFC East. Things looked promising. Since that time, three straight losses. And a whole lot of questions. So, I mean, everything about the season has been topsy-turvy, upside down. We're fortunate that the Eagles have had minimal impact from COVID 
um, relative to what other teams have had. And I give everybody credit for being disciplined there. Uh, but it has been, and we miss the fans so much at Lincoln Financial Field. Even when we had, you know, 5,000, 6,000 fans there, it was there were there was some life, there was some energy. When there's nobody there, it's just uh, it's just so bizarre and so lonely and so empty. And and you realize that the fans are what make the game and make all the games and make sports. So without them, it, it really has lacked everything. But from a from a from a pure operational standpoint, Eagles have done an excellent job. Uh, but in the most extraordinary, unusual, challenging times uh, of our lives. Dave, we always appreciate it. Uh, no matter how the team's playing, you're, you're always there to, to talk with us, and, and we appreciate it. Wish you continued health and uh, hope for something good in Green Bay this weekend. Thanks for uh, giving yeah. us a few minutes yeah, to talk it, it over. My pleasure. And, and as crazy as it is, a win Sunday in Green Bay, doesn't it, it, it feels like it would turn everything around. So let's go up and let's go talk to the world. I'll, I'll let Jeff take that after you get off the air. Thanks, Dave. You have a great <laughs> one, man. All right, guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Jeff, one win. One win. Uh, no, look, it's that's a, that's a tough that that is a tall order to ask the Eagles to to beat the Packers. It, Aaron Rodgers is playing at the top of his game. And I don't know how they're going to stop him, despite the fact that he doesn't have receiver weapons. I mean, he's got Adams, but that the rest, he's just making receivers out of nothing. I think Lazard will actually end up being well. I know about him because he's on my fantasy team. Of course. Oh, so there you go. Scanling is actually also playing very well for them. Rodgers is making receivers. He's on your fantasy team too? Yes, he is. That on a different fantasy team. But that goes. Oh, my Lord. How many of these do you have? Multiples, but that goes back to what Dave said: <sighs> that quarterbacks make receivers, and mm-hmm. that's the question of: is it the receivers for Carson? You know, what is it? Now, the one thing I, I, we talked about a little bit, but I have railed on on this show: you've got a line that has problems. It'll be the eleventh line combination that they've had all season. Jack, Jack Driscoll is going to come back. Lane Johnson's out now. They still continue to take five and seven, seven steps drops. He he sets for his last step in the drop, and there's somebody at his feet or in his lap. I can't understand why they can't put an extra tight end to his side and roll out so that at least he gets time to scan the field. Now, that's not to say he's going to find people, because if you watch the tape from last week, there were wide open receivers like multiples on the same play wide open and he locked into double coverage and threw it there because he's not reading his progressions right now no and not if, and, and, and if you're going to give him a seven step drop even though that seems like it should buy more time for more pres- progressions it's not because he's not going through them he's he's still worried about what's coming in it looks like he's worried about what's coming in um my question, and I started laughing to myself when you were talking about they should roll them out more because I'm sitting there thinking, does that mean Doug Peterson considers those runs and he actually calls run plays even less? I well, mean, you have the numbers in here. Jim. Yeah, he had a pa- passing play percentage the Eagles have for the season is 64.88%, which is only second in the league to the Bears of all teams. Last week, they decided, hey, let's up the game. It's not enough that we're doing that. So last week, it was 79% of their offensive plays. It's play calling too. I mean, if you're not going to have balance, 
All you're doing is telling everybody to pin their ears back. Linebackers take a step back. Defensive backs take a step back and just guard the receivers. And look, play action only works if you actually run the play. If you never hand the ball off, why would they bite on your play fake? It just, that's what frustrates me about the play calling that's going in with Doug here. I'm just not understanding the game planning. You know, they started the game off. I don't think the players understand the game plan. That's, that's part of this. They started the game off last week and Seattle jumped off sides. It was first and five, Jeff, and they went three and out and didn't run the ball. Well, that's the problem that you just buried the lead. It's that they didn't run the ball. And, And it's not like they don't have a running back. Miles Sanders is an above average running back. He just doesn't get the ball. If you're not running backs, only succeed by getting touches. The more touches they get, the more into the groove they get, and more importantly, offensive linemen love to run the ball. And they get into a groove when they run the ball once and twice and three times in a row. And for some reason, Doug Peterson just won't do it. I don't get it. I mean, it's almost like we need an offensive lineman to be a, a coach around here so that we could sit there and see that running the ball is actually beneficial. It's, this whole idea of just pass happy isn't working. It's more than that, though. It's the rotation of players they use. Why is Alshon Jeffrey even on the field other than his contract? He looks disinterested. Well, that is the reason. You Travis Fulgham, who they find out of nowhere, played his lowest rate of 52%. He's in the witness protection program now. He literally gets no attention on the football field. You've got terrible game management going for it on fourth down when a one when a field goal would make it a one-score game. Like, it's everything is off. And so I heard somebody say earlier this week, you know, the 2017, 2018 team, that team had fun. They liked playing football. This oh, team the, does the, not they don't look, look like, like they enjoy playing football at all. All. Not a bit. They don't look like they're having fun. They just look like let's just get this season over with. And and this is during a, this is during a playoff run. I mean that that's that's what's. <laughs> I still can't believe I'm calling it a playoff run. And, and if <laughs> if you're any of these four teams in the NFC least, do you want to be in the playoffs? I do not. I've told you it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a really good draft pick so that. that you can get your butt kicked in the first round of an expanded playoff for, for right them. now the Eagles would have the sixth pick. And people will say, oh, they don't draft well anyway, so why the sixth pick? Here's why. Last season, I had to hear when they made the playoffs and lost in the first round, look how close we are. We made the playoffs. We're a couple moves away. And so instead of actually getting players you need, you draft players like Jalen Hurts in the second round instead of a linebacker that you could use. You pass on a Justin Jefferson for a Jalen Rager. Because yeah, uh, you know, that's my big regret was not asking Dave that question, which is, is, do the, do the, is there anybody on the Eagles that will sit there and behind the scenes say, we made a mistake? It's, so it's like, it's the attitude of the team. So I kind of want them to realize that they're not a playoff team, regardless of whether the NFC least says they are. They're just not that good you you watch other teams play they're the eagles look disorganized at times they look disinterested and as fans it's well, just the whole division that to, to, to be fair well, the giants look, the giants look very interested in playing and so did the the washington football team 
well. We'll see oh. how interested they look if Colt McCoy is starting as the quarterback. Did you hear? How what, is he still in the league? Did you hear what Merrill Reese said? Um, I gave you Merrill's <laughs> warning for the Seattle Seahawks last week. You see what he Go said for it. Yep. this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, Merrill's warning this week. The Eagles head to Lambeau Field to play the Green Bay Packers. Parental discretion is advised. <laughs> Thank you, Merrill. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a long game. I, I do not think that the Eagles have the firepower to stay with the Packers. And I just, I, I don't see this even being, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose by two touchdowns. Look, and the, the other thing, we talked a lot with, with uh, Dave about the offensive line. From 2014 to 2018, Howie Roseman drafted just one offensive lineman before the fourth round. That's Isaac Sayamalu. Mm-hmm. Iron Mailato came in 2018 as seventh round projects. They have not invested in the offensive line, and you're seeing them pay for it. They are aging. Jason Kelsey keeps coming back in. We'll see whether he stays on, but he's been out there no matter what. Jason Peters, you know, will limp off the field before halftime. Whether he's at guard with a is there any chance is he permitted to bring a walker on the field? <laughs> You're killing me, man. What? How am I supposed to what, do? Would, would, that, would that count as a two point stance, a four point stance? How exactly would that go? How am I supposed to do this with a straight face <laughs> when you're saying that? But I mean, this week you'll have the eleventh combination. You've got guys that they kind of bring in off the scrap heap and and put them in there. Right. And and so look, yes, Wentz has his problems, but they have much larger problems than just their quarterback. And this is not getting better. No, no. They have other yeah. problems. They don't have much larger problems. But the quarterback right now is the largest problem. Well, yes, financially. He's yeah. a turnover machine. But he's here next year no matter what. He's a forty million dollar cap hit, and you're already over the cap by fifty or sixty. But you just said they have much larger problems. He is the largest problem. No, they're, they have large problems because they're over the cap and have holes every Okay, but I'm just dealing with the semantics of you said there are much larger problems, and I'm disagreeing with you because as far as I'm concerned, Carson Wentz is the largest problem. He's financially the largest problem, and he's in making errors is the largest problem. You think he fixes anything? This season? No. No? No. And, and, and while I appreciate what Dave said about – uh, look, he's been owning it in press conferences and things like that. The fact, even even if he's right, the fact that Brandon Graham said what he said this week is significant. It it is significant, and, and I don't think you can minimize it. Yes, we're the media is always looking for clickbait, okay? But but this is a situation everybody sees with Carson Wentz. It's been kind of mumbled for a while now about Carson Wentz and and his relationship with his teammates. It goes back to even when Nick Foles was here and whether or not they liked Nick Foles more than they liked Carson Wentz. And so this has been an issue. I don't know what the internal issue is other than the fact that Carson Wentz doesn't seem to appear to be on the same page as his teammates. Well, we'll leave that there. We'll talk it on the flip side. Jeff, I want you to say that three times fast. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> no, I want people to eventually understand that this has that that, that our broadcast uh, kind of gets interrupted by the moon phases of the moon, but yeah, only for a couple more weeks though. Then we're back to not being interrupted by the phases. Of the moon. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, want to go back to basketball? I do. I do. All right, go. So uh, there was a trade that happened this week, Jeff, and um, you don't think anybody wins out of it? Russell Westbrook traded for John Wall. 
It it is the most underwhelming blockbuster trade in the history of of the NBA. It, it doesn't help anyone. Okay, so now here let let's evaluate. Forget the first round pick. The what you have is Westbrook going to a team that has their star player in Bradley Beal, who is a shooter who needs the ball in his hands. Bradley Beal could not get along with John Wall who was a more traditional point guard. He was not a chucker. He was not a guy who was just putting up shots for the sake of putting up shots, okay? So now you have that backcourt in Washington that is going to be Michael Westbrook, who might be one of the biggest ball Russell. hogs in the NBA. Or, well, Russell Westbrook. You're I'm still sorry. stuck on me not comparing LeBron James. Yes, to I am. Okay. I know where your head is, right? All right. So, so you have Westbrook, and he's a, just a big ball hog, and now he's got to find a way to coexist in a backcourt with Bradley Beal, who is a, a shooter. And then you have John Wall, who you don't even know whether he's going to be able to play well because of all the injuries he's had. And he's going to go, and he's going to be next to James Harden. James Harden, who they're giving – it sounds like a breakup. Right? The, the Houston Rockets and James Harden are literally in a relationship right now where they're sitting there and saying, we need a little time apart. We need sp- – I've never heard in professional sports that them say to their star player, we're just giving him some space. So one day if you get – Are they going to go out to a romantic dinner afterwards? I mean, and, and then everything's going to be fine? Exactly how does this work? So one day, if you get frustrated with me on the show, I'm just going to say I need some space like James Harden. Is that what we're going to do? It, it, it just seemed like the most bizarre thing. By the way, I got a ladybug in here. I don't know what's going on. Um, you want to close the door in your house. <laughs> so, I, I, I just don't understand what the point of this trade was other than just to, okay, we'll give you a guy that we don't want and you give us a guy you don't want and it's not going to make either team better. It's not like the Wizards are now going to sit there and say, we're making the playoffs, right? And it's not like the the Rockets are now going to say, we're making the playoffs. So what exactly was the point of this trade? I couldn't figure it out. I do not know. Does the Rockets think that somehow they're salvaging Harden there? Because they're not, because this doesn't make, Harden's not going to go, oh, now we're a championship team. uh, I think that Houston was trying to get the pick. I think Houston's realizing they're going to have to break it down now. Daryl Morey's gone. James Harden doesn't want to be there. Other moves have been made. They're going to transition their team. All right. So so let's John Wall playing, but they get the first round pick. Ready? So now let's talk negotiations. Okay. So if you, if you're Houston, yeah, if you're Houston, you want to get the, the, the star of your team is Harden. The guy with the most value is Harden. You have to make the, if you want to get a good trade, the best trade for him, you want the world to think every other NBA team to think that what you're doing is you're holding on to him and you're not letting go. Okay. And that you think you can win with the roster that you have. You then don't trade the second best player and then say that we're doing this and then say out loud, we're giving him his space. I didn't say it was a you, good plan. You, it, it, it was the worst move for negotiations. It was bad enough they got rid of Daryl Morey. Now, thank you for that because now we have Daryl Morey. Well, he left. And, and, well, yeah, but oh, come on! You're telling me that Daryl Morey wouldn't have stayed if there that if there was encouragement. I only believe the words I read, Jeff. Yeah, and what and what words did you read with regard to Daryl Morey? I believe Daryl Morey was pushed out there. I agree. I, I don't. I don't think he was shown the love by the current owner. No, I think it was decided that that team with that makeup had gone as far as they thought it would go, and they were looking to make a change. And I think you're lo- you're exactly right. You're looking at an ugly breakup. 
and neither side wants to say it because Houston won't get the value for James Harden that he's worth. But in the end, they're going to have to accept that and make a move or make nice and take him out for a nice meal after the space that they Well, is it that or is it was James Harden now going to ghost the team? I mean, we could go into all sorts of dating analogies now because that they've now opened the door to this ridiculousness of exactly how they're handling this situation. I mean, week by week, we should just come up with different dating analogies as, as, to, as to what exactly is going on with the Houston Rockets and James Harden. And maybe they just turn it into a soap opera. You know how they have the hard knocks thing with, with football. Maybe they need to have like a soap opera thing with the NBA on the NBA TV. I'm going to leave that there. Uh, did you see the NFL schedule this week, Jeff? Yeah. We're getting to the point where there's football every day of the week. So Except, on except week, Thursday. Except Thursday. This week we have <laughs> regular games on Sunday. Right. Then we have two games on Monday and one game on Tuesday. So we're getting there. We, Is we've there- had- Games Is there any chance that the Friday and Saturday this season, and you know, they go play Saturdays as they get closer to Christmas at some point is well. So is there any chance that the Cowboys Ravens game is going to have to be moved to the daytime on Tuesday or Wednesday, because there's a a lighting of a menorah at some point in the near future. Why did it uh, surprise (laughs) you or bother you so much? That was the thing. So for our listeners, as we said, Jeff and I sort of just text all day long. We send each other stories, we uh, other stuff. Thank God they don't charge per text. And when I sent Jeff the story that the game had to be played at 3.40 because NBC was doing the Christmas tree lighting, um, he was not impressed at all. <laughs> you, you know, you can't make up, you know, D- Dave said it best that this is the weirdest year for everyone. But the NFL has... They just, I shake my head at some of the things they do. They're supposed to have, be able to control the world. They can't get on primetime for a game between the, possibly the biggest rivalry in the NFL right now. And one of the teams, which is undefeated, and they have to have it at three o'clock in the afternoon because there's a Christmas tree lighting. Could I just point out, going back to the Eagles and their challenges on offense with their quarterback, Denver with no starting quarterbacks and a wide. Yeah. And, and so, so can I talk about the hypocrisy of that for a minute? Hold on. I'll give you a stat first. Okay. They had more passing yards in the first quarter than the Eagles did when Carson Wentz was in the game. Well, that's the first quarter because the absurdity of what happened, the Broncos were wrong. They should have been wearing masks. They should have been, there's a whole stuff, a bunch of stuff the Broncos should have done. But if, if you're not going to penalize the Ravens and keep moving the game back to back to back until it's on versus Kelly Clarkson show or something, I, I don't know exactly why you do that. And then all of a sudden with the Broncos, you have a situation where you're going to make them play with no quarterback. They literally didn't even use a guy that was on their team. He was on the practice squad. That's because they couldn't get their coaches approved to play. Chad. It, it, well, yeah. So there was that absurdity too. I, I really don't understand what exactly is going on here. And, you know, I saw what the bills are doing. I don't know if you saw what the bills are doing. They right. have their rookie quarterback, Jake Fromm, off in a bubble somewhere, basically. So he does not practice for the most part with the team, which is really hard for a rookie on top of everything else. But he's somehow getting, I don't know what kind of reps he's getting or whatever, but he's staying ready in a undisclosed location or something away from the rest of the team in case all the other quarterbacks end up getting COVID or get hurt. 
did you see the Bronco solution for this week? What is it? Well, just in case they don't have anybody this week? available still. You're you're gonna quarterback? They hired uh Kyle Shermer. There they they signed Kyle Shermer, son of offensive coordinator Fritz Pat Shermer. Shermer. Oh, Pat Shermer. <laughs> to, to make sure that somebody would know the playbook. He had played for the Chiefs in the past. Mm-hmm. And he will apparently now be on the roster so that they do not have to have a wide receiver playing quarterback. But I, I don't understand the inconsistency of the NFL. Uh, the Ravens basically admit that they had a, a coach not following protocol, and yet they still were given every opportunity to correct whatever the misgivings were. And the game was pushed and pushed and pushed. And you're right, the Broncos were just thrown out there to make an example of. It really, it really, it, it was quite embarrassing. I, I don't understand why the, and it compromises the integrity of the league. It definitely does. You ready to talk a little baseball, Jeff? December baseball is what I live for. All right, bring it on. Let's get going, Jeff. Go ahead. Why don't you introduce our guest? Hey, so we have on the line, Williamsport Crosscutters, Greg Sinecropy. Gabe, do we pronounce your name right? I get it wrong every time. Up, we'll get Gabe there in a second. He's on the line. I, that's why I let you do the introduction, Jeff, because I had no I way to, to know how to say his name. You could try again, though. Are you sure? Yeah, Gabe's there. Gabe, you on the line? I'm right here. See All right. So, so, Gabe, I get, your, I get the pronunciation of your name wrong every time. I apologize. So I'm going to let you tell us how we should say it after all these years. <laughs> no, I think, I think you got it right, Jeff. Sinecropy. Yes. Oh. Gabe, I let him do the intro, so I didn't butcher it. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) No problem, gentlemen. No problem. Just like just like it's spelled. So, Gabe, I have to tell you, when I got your your email last week that there was going to be an exciting exciting announcement, I can't tell you the relief that I felt. For people that don't know, the Williamsport Crosscutters have been around for a long time and are a big part of minor league baseball, and and we are so glad as as somebody that's been covering the Philly system for years. That, that the Williamsport Crosscutters will continue uh, in minor league baseball. Can you tell us about your exciting announcement? Yeah, well, as happy as you are, Jeff, uh, we're uh, times 100 uh, excited about the announcement that will continue our affiliation with Major League Baseball in the new MLB Draft League. And it's, it's going to be pretty exciting. We're, we're really pumped about uh, being a founding member of this new league under the MLB umbrella, uh, a big part of the, the future ladder and pipeline for prospects and, uh, you know, to, to get their feet wet just before they get into affiliated baseball. Before we get into the specifics of what the league will be, you know, minor league baseball has meant so much to cities and towns around the country that they represent. Can you talk about what it means to Williamsport and the team to have this renewed opportunity? Well, as you guys said in in the the intro, you know, professional baseball and high-level baseball has been part of the fabric of, of Williamsport for since the late 1880s, believe it or not. And so it's it's a long and storied history. And our stadium uh, was built in 1926. Um, it is the oldest uh, active stadium in minor league baseball, although we're not technically now in minor league baseball, um, even though we're affiliated with MLB. So I guess we can't uh, necessarily say that. But the but the the second oldest, one of the oldest stadiums in in the nation. So um, it's 
it really means a ton. Of course, we are the home of Little League Baseball and the Little League World Series. Uh, our stadium hosts the MLB Little League Classic, the first major league regular season game to be played in a minor league stadium in literally uh, almost 90 years. So uh, a, a rich baseball history here, and to be able to continue it uh, in this way under the, the new circumstances of, of the world of baseball is pretty exciting. So can you tell us how this is going to work? It's not going to, for, for people that are familiar with minor league baseball, the way that it used to be was that for Williamsport, you got to sign players just from the Phillies organization. Obviously that's not the case now. How will you get your players and, and, and how will the season go? Yeah. So as, as you said, we were a Phillies affiliate since 2007, by the way, that, that partnership, that affiliation, we can't say enough about the Phillies. I mean, it was awesome to be a partner with them. And, and you know, you always hear about the Phillies and that it's a, a family organization. You know, everybody in it, you feel like a family. And and you really did from, from day one. And, and that started at the top uh, with the late David Montgomery and, and filtered all the way down through the organization and our years with them and the friends and uh, that we made uh, just treasured by all of us. And though I can't speak for the Phillies entirely, they loved being in Williamsport. But the way the, the chips fall in the, the new norm of what minor league baseball is and affiliations and how MLB is working it, it, it just became impossible because now uh, each major league team will have just four affiliates. And, you know, the Phillies own outright or parts of uh, four of their affiliates. So that left us on the outside. So we would get uh, players from the Phillies right after the draft. Uh, about half our players would come from the draft. The other half would be second or third year uh, professionals who were in the organization at a level below us, uh, either in the Dominican Summer League or down at the Gulf Coast League uh, in Clearwater. Uh, now we're getting our players about six weeks before the draft. Same type of player, except probably should be more top prospects because this is going to be the, the league for the top draft-eligible players across the country. That means juniors and seniors in college, um, some junior college players, and a few of the, the very elite top high school prospects. Again, they're looking to, to, to push the top draft eligible players into the MLB Draft League. So one thing to, to put out there is that Major League Baseball is attempting to create a ladder with these summer leagues, much like they have in the minor leagues of, of A ball, double A, and triple A. They now will push freshmen to the Appalachian League, which was formerly affiliated. Now it becomes a, a, a summer collegiate league. Freshmen will be pushed there. Sophomores pushed to the Cape Cod League. Juniors and seniors to this new MLB draft league. So um, it's, it's exciting. It's going to take a year, two years for things to 
uh, develop in, in the exact way that MLB wants it to. But I think that uh, after that, it, it's it's going to run exactly how they want. Uh, with with the arm of Major League Baseball around us and around this idea and a vested interest that they have in this, uh, that's what makes it so exciting. The other thing I found interesting is, um, you know, around the draft, they're going to take a multi-day break and then restock the rosters with the best players passed over by MLB teams who are still interested in signing. So it's not just who you get at the start of the season. You're going to get this replenishment mid-season of people who were on the cusp that may just have missed it. So this is going to be an ongoing effort to see some of the next level talent that just hasn't quite gotten picked up, right? Yeah, and remember, the draft is going to be cut down, literally cut in half. So uh, there's going to be a, a multitude of talented players that are not taken in the draft anymore. Um, uh, MLB teams' systems don't need as many players because they don't have as many teams. So the draft is being cut down. So there's still a, a slew of players out there who are going to want to come here and show their stuff against the best of the best because in all of these leagues, in all of our ballparks in the MLB Draft League, every major league team is going to be represented with scouts every night uh, because this is that final spot where they can be scouted. Um, for many of them right before the draft and then even right after the draft because they're going to sign a bunch of free agents, more than they ordinarily would in, in any given year, I think. Um, so it's it's going to be an important part. And we hope that some of the people that are drafted, MLB is going to hope that some of them continue to play in the league for a certain amount of time as well because they're not going to necessarily be ready to send these draft picks to a long season team. You know, there the there is no more short season baseball. So they don't necessarily have a place to send these guys unless they want to throw them right into long season ball at, at that level uh right after they're drafted. So it remains to be seen exactly how it will play out, but uh that's that's what what they have on paper right now. Gabe, you've been with uh, the Crosscutters for, I believe, 27 years. You've, you've also been, for people that don't know, one of the voices, PA announcing voices for the Little League World Series for a couple decades. You've been part of the Williamsport community for a long time. Of, of all the things that you've experienced as part of your baseball uh, lifedom at, in, in Williamsport, what's the best story that you can tell us about uh, minor league baseball in Williamsport? <laughs> uh that's that's a that's a great question um you know I, I don't know how how entertaining a story it might be but but i mean the biggest thrill um and and i've had many but certainly the surreal experience of having a regular season major league game in our stadium in our little 2500 seat facility is uh you know, I use the word surreal, and that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, you know, sometimes I, 
on that day or the day before or whatever as as things the final preparations are being done i'll just stand there in the stadium and i'll kind of laugh because how did all this happen uh in williamsport in our little facility uh to be what i say is the center of the baseball universe on that on that day and that night um you know we have little league world series games going on uh, across the river, uh, they stop at about two o'clock, and you know things start getting underway here at at Bowman Field, and we're the, you know, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball game, and it's it's just so weird when you think about it. But but uh, such a feather in in our cap, and and we love to be able to show off our our you know, a humble little abode here on West 4th Street in Williamsport to uh, really to the whole nation and, and the whole world. And, and that's uh, a yearly thrill now that uh, that will be with me for, forever. And, and obviously, being around players uh, who uh, play for the Cutters, um, as I tell them, uh, usually at the last home game, before the last home game, you know, once a cutter, always a cutter. Don't forget that, you know, you spent your first year in pro ball or one of your first years in pro ball here in Williamsport. Uh, you know, we'll always follow you. Uh, please always follow us. And uh, don't forget us if I, if when you're rich and famous in the big leagues and, and we need a favor from you, don't, don't turn your back on us. So, uh, so to be around a lot of those guys, uh, the Reese Hoskins, the Jose Batistas, the Andrew McCutcheons, uh, the Kerry Woods, all of whom began their pro career here in Williamsport. You know, we have now we're at 600, 600 players who wore a Williamsport uniform have gone on to appear in the major leagues. And that's quite a list. Well, we are very excited. You're going to get to continue to have players wear that uniform and hopefully make it to the major leagues. Gabe, thanks so much for giving us a little time. We'll definitely talk to you as baseball gets closer, and we're just thrilled that you guys get to keep doing what you're doing. So thanks so much. Yeah, Jason and Jeff, thanks for having me, and, and would love to, to be on again sometime. Have a great holiday season. We'll definitely do it. Jeff, I know you're all excited now. We talk baseball. You got your Philly sweatshirt on. Nothing makes you happy. No, I hate to tell you, it's a Sixers sweatshirt, but oh, really yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing makes you happier though than some baseball talk, even in the middle of winter, right? How? But okay, so even if you're not the biggest baseball fan, let's just say you follow baseball, how much would, do you crave the idea of being able to go back to the ballpark? Very much so, and I feel bad about what I'm about to do to you now. What's that? So you're all high and excited on talking minor league baseball, and I'm going to talk yeah. about what the big team's doing because. Well, I'm just going to dream of Bowman Field in the meantime. You can go ahead and do that. While I remind you that one of your favorite Phillies will be making a return next year, Jeff. Who? Eva Velasquez has been signed for. Oh, year. so you're being sarcastic at the end of the show is what you're talking about. I am being very sarcastic. So I saw some numbers that were. Disturbing. Are you going to tell me he's going to be the number one starter for opening day, too? I don't know what the hell he's going to be. Quite <laughs> honest. I don't really know why he's resigned, but yeah. um, his inning by inning ERA is stunning, Jeff. And then mm -hmm. you have told me for a long time he doesn't get past five innings. 
the first inning he's got. There's a, a reason he doesn't get past five innings. Well, see, the thing is, when he does, if he gets to the eighth and ninth inning, he's got a 1.93 and 1.59 ERA. But if he makes it to the third inning, in that <laughs> inning, he's got a 5.36 ERA. Huh? It goes down to 3.02 in the fourth, back up to 6.78 in the fifth. How if many he years happens, has he been here? Six years. Okay, he so he, he's make, only made it to the eighth inning, what? 10 times? Uh, 10 times. times. Okay. The ninth well, inning, six times. If 10 he, times in six years. If he makes it to the seventh inning, Jeff, do you know what mm-hmm. his ERA in that inning is? Nine. Nine, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> well, this is well, that means he's only giving up one run in that inning, technically, right? This is why I'm going to need to watch Williamsport, because I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to watch my catcher walk as they renewed mm-hmm. Andrew Knapp. And although he had a wonderful season last year, who not the same catcher, Andrew Knapp, he had a wonderful season. He did not have a terrible season last year for himself for Andrew Knapp, who has, he's very- not, he does. He did not have a starting catcher season. I didn't, say he, a, I didn't say he had a starting catcher season. By, by the way, did you know that the, I believe the Phillies have the longest draft playoff drought in the national league and only second to the Seattle Mariners. I'm starting to feel it. In the man. majors? You know who else they're bringing That's back? hard to believe, isn't it? Bringing- why, does, why does 2008 and 2009 seem just like yesterday? It's a very long time ago now. Very mm-hmm. long time. We've only got like two minutes left, Jeff. I did want to get to a little college football real fast. Vandermilt used a female kicker first and first to play in the Power Five. The reaction okay. were, as you could imagine, uh, <laughs> some people who support that were very for it. Some people who were against it uh, were ridiculous. Well, what, okay. are you, what are you against it? Not you. What, what exactly are you against? Uh, She's kicking a football. Uh, some people Why could she not kick a football? Uh, this weekend so far, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games canceled, one postponed for COVID, and Ohio yeah. State and Michigan State say they're going to play. We'll see when they get their tests back. Yeah. Uh, anything uh, got your interest this weekend? On I, no, I, ha- I have. College football is making the absurdity of college football in this current environment I, I, is so understated at this point. It's literally, it's, it's literally minute by minute, hour by hour, whether or not there's going to be a game or there's not going to be a game. And it's going to be which coach is going to get the award for the dumbest thing to be said or done each week. So far, Dabo Sweeney wins every week, but. He's a perennial competitor. Yeah. But, to, but just some of the things that are said by these coaches is it's just, it's embarrassing. That's going to be the last word other than Rutgers won last week, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. embarrassing. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week.